Well, this is number two in our series, Stronger, and we'll keep going along in that. Uh, a number of years ago, we had a van, a 1984 uh, Dodge van. Uh, it was not the best van that you ever had. Uh, we had three kids, and we needed it, and it, the price was right. We got it for free. And uh, it had the, the, in the ceiling, you know, where it's supposed to stay up, it, it was all sagging in different places. It, I told the kids, it's, hey, it's like we're camping, like, has like kind of the tent feel in it, though. Things from the ceiling hanging down, all kinds of stuff. But eventually, uh, the engine blew in it. And I couldn't afford another vehicle, but I could afford uh, an engine. And so I, we got an engine and got it over, and we were... I put it all in pretty much all by myself, not completely by myself. I'd never done it before. This was pre-YouTube days. I had a manual, and I was trying to put it all together and got it running at the very end. I needed a little bit of help, but it, 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 it mostly worked. It mostly worked. But it had this issue with it. It kept overheating and overheating. I couldn't figure out why until finally I discovered it's because the fan wouldn't come on to keep it cool. And so the fan wouldn't come on, and it would, in fact, it not only wouldn't uh, keep it overheat, it always kept draining the battery. And so you go out, and it wouldn't start. So I, I did what any smart person is. I just went out and cut the wire to the fan. But that kind of worked because it stopped draining the battery. But every time my wife was out driving with three kids, she would be out driving, and the vehicle would overheat, and she'd have to pull over. And that made me super popular with my wife. She was so... So grateful to have such a giving husband to do that. I drove the other car because I had to go off into the bush and work. But, uh, so I spliced. Finally, I thought, well, maybe I'll do something else about that. So I got where I cut the wire. I spliced another wire in, and I rode it up to the battery. And every time we went to go somewhere, we'd start the vehicle. I'd lift the hood, and I would connect those wires onto the battery, and the fan would run, which is great when you're going somewhere. But every time you stop... You had to take that off because then the battery, otherwise the battery would die because it would keep the fan going without stopping. So I thought I had improved the situation with my wife, but she wasn't really positive and excited about having to every time she stopped somewhere to go in and get groceries. Okay, kids, wait a moment. Go up, lift the hood up in her heels and pull off the wires and everything like that to make sure the battery would work. So I tried that for a while and that wasn't super, super popular as well. But finally, I actually had to fix the reason, which was to run a new wire so that the battery would stop draining and the vehicle would stop overheating. Sometimes it's in order for the vehicle to work better, you have to find out why it's not working well. You don't just Try a workaround all the time and try this and try that. Find the reason why it's not working. What's the problem? What's the problem? What's the reason why I have this problem? In my late 20s, I began one time I was going through a stressful, uh, probably a season of a number of months, very difficult time, and I wasn't feeling well, and I started to get some spots on myself, and I went to the doctor, I, like I thought, well, like any good man, I feel like I'm close to death, it's time to go to the doctor. So I went to the doctor, and I had all down one side of my body, I uh, had all these little spots that were incredibly itchy and painful. And at 28, I found out I had shingles. And shingles are bad enough, which are like chicken pox when you're small, and they become shingles when you're older, and they're not comfortable, I will say that. They are not comfortable at all. Now, the doctor just didn't say, well, that's the way it is try this, try that. He said, you have to do something different if you want these to go away because your immune system is being thrashed 
and it needs to be reset and fixed in order for you to go stronger. And you're, he started asking me about how busy I was. He stopped, started asking me about what I was stressed about and all kinds of different things, as well as gave me something, pain medication, to let my body, uh, while my body was fighting it off. Because I needed to find the reason for the problem or it would continue on if I just kept rolling along the way things always were. And sometimes to stay strong, to get stronger, you have to figure out what might be draining your strength. You have to figure out what the reason why you keep running down. Could have kept, I could have laid hands on my vehicle and said, in the name of Jesus, start, which I've done before. <laughs> or I could pick up the hood and find out why it kept draining. I could ask for prayer for my physical body, and I did. But I also needed to deal with the reason why I was continually being drained. Sometimes we're very spiritual and we forget that we need to sometimes pick up the hood, lift up the hood of our lives and look beyond what's apparent on the outside and see what's going on on the inside of our hearts to really see what's going on behind the smile, to see what's going on behind the, yeah, everything's good, to see what's going on behind, I'm all right, it's good, it's fine. Because most of us have a stressful person at times, a stressful situation, a situation that when you begin to think about it, maybe causes you to get a little frustrated, something that might be draining your strength, relational stresses. Some of us have people that have hurt us or wronged us, and it affects us. And like my battery growing low, like my body experiencing what was going on in it, we begin to see signs of it happening in our life, that something's going on under the hood that might need to be addressed. When you see signs of things like anxiety or even worse than anxiety sometimes is apathy where you just don't care about what's happening or frustration at people around you or frust frustration with the situation that you're in, sadness that blankets you from time to time, anger at your situation. You might not put it out, but you feel it on the inside. I never thought I should not be where I am right now. This should not have happened. I should not be in this space. I should not be walking through this. This is not fair to me. And it shows up in physical health issues and all kinds of different things. Marriage falling apart. We've been in those days, Shanda and I, when you felt like, I don't know if we're going to get through this next season. Things are draining strength all the time, and the answer isn't always to try to increase your strength. Sometimes it's tr it's the, the important thing is to find out why it's draining. So we're going to look at that today. Father, I pray that you would help us, Lord Jesus, as we look to your word to see, Lord, how we can be stronger in every situation. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, we started by talking in this series in Jeremiah 17 about stronger. and says this, this is what the Lord says. Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans, who rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord. They are like stunted shrubs. Somebody say stunted. In the desert with no hope for the future. They live in the barren wilderness in an uninhabited salty land. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water, such trees are not bothered by the heat and not worried by long months of drought. Their leaves are green, and they never, or their leaves stay green, and they never stop producing fruit. Both experience 
Very similar situations. Both experience heat. Both experience long seasons of drought. One comes through thriving, getting stronger, getting larger, getting more fulfilled, getting more fruitful, not bothered by the heat, not worried by a season of drought, staying green, never stopping producing fruit. Another comes through surviving, getting by, stunted, small, getting smaller. Similar environment, different results. Why? Because one had a deeper source of water. And what that means for us is the real issue is where are you drawing your strength from? Because the reality is, is that many of us, the heat is on and it's affecting us. I don't feel green. I don't feel like I'm fruitful. I don't feel like my life is moving forward. My reality is this, but God's reality calls me to this, that I would be staying green, that I would be producing fruit, that my life would be thriving. Now, thriving does not mean that I've got a bigger car, a better house, and more than the neighbor beside me. It means that I'm becoming all that God has called me to be in every season for any reason. God helps me to keep moving ahead. And pressure only reveals what's inside of you. But what's the difference between getting weaker and getting stronger? What's the thing that helps us bridge the gap between our real and God's ideal? It's the trusting in Jesus. The bottom line we talked about last week is who you trust with your life determines the strength of your life. Whatever the reason the heat is on, when you're a follower of Jesus... You can grow stronger. Whether it's your fault or not, you can grow stronger. Whether someone else did it to you, you can grow stronger. Whether it's just life, you can grow stronger. Whether it's an attack of the enemy, you can grow stronger. I would have said amen by now. Pastor, I think I could see that for my life. But some of us live in the reality of our world and don't believe that God has something more for us than just getting by like a stunted shrub. But if Jesus promises of one thing... Uh, this ideal, and I'm experiencing another, it's important that we lift up the hood of our life, check the wires, see what's going on beneath the surface to see if something's blocking the flow of power that is there for you, that is there for you as a follower of Jesus. In 2010, we went for three months, our whole family, on a missions uh, assignment to Fiji and to Tonga in the South Pacific uh, one of those, uh, Fiji was great, and then we went for, we were there for about a, five weeks or so, and then we went to Tonga, which is a small little island nation in the middle of the Pacific, like a dot. Uh, and we were there for a number of weeks, and it, it uh, is uh, less developed than many places in the world. Uh, it was, the place that we stayed in was challenging the environment that we were in. Uh, and so we were making it through. We knew we had a few weeks, and we had lots of great experiences. We were on national TV, and uh, national TV, 100,000 people, but it was, it's my story. It was good. And uh, so we were on national TV, and, uh, but three days before we were supposed to go, I think two or three days, uh, we had come home from a meeting, and we were, uh, had, had a great day, and went into the house, locked the door, and went to bed. And uh, the morning, I got up, and I noticed the the front door was open. I started looking. I thought, what? Did I leave the front door open? No, sure, I locked it. And then I started looking around some more, and I realized my bag that I had had, my backpack that was, had been sitting on the chair, was gone. And my backpack in itself was nothing special, but inside it was both of our computers that we had had, to, um, a camera, our cash, 
our wallets, and that was all, you can live with all that, but also our passports were gone, everything. And we were like two or three days away from having to fly out. So it starts a whole situation and everything like that. And we got back. I'm here. So it worked out. Whole great story of how God worked for us. But in that moment, when your something like that happens to you, when you, your house is broken into, when you're stolen from, uh, one of my daughters had woken up in the night and had heard noise and was about to go out. But she decided not to. She would have interrupted a burglar and who knows what happens. Uh, just all those things, and you go through all these emotions when you've been hurt, when you've been violated, ranging from, wow, I'm thankful that nobody got hurt, to just rage that how could someone do that, and how could this happen to me, and why did that happen? And things happen to us all, at all different, from that kind of a level, some less than that, to some much, much greater than that. And sometimes we have a hard time letting go. Sometimes the hurt comes in all kinds of different ways. There's three broad categories of offense. Those, first of all, is the bad things that other people uh, do to us. They hurt us. They say nasty things to us. Those are the obvious ones. They betray us, are unfaithful, all kinds of different things like that. Whatever things that people do to us, they're easy to get hurt at and offended at. Then there's the good things that people don't do for us that they should have done. Good things not done for us. Uh, perhaps your parents or someone that... Uh, close to you or your spouse, they don't, uh, or maybe your parents minimize you, what you think and uh, told you don't be afraid and, and uh, minimize your thoughts, minimize your feelings, minimize who you were. Uh, perhaps it's a spouse that should have done things for you and doesn't do those things for you. So though, that can create an opportunity for offense. And then there's the, the perceived hurts that happen. These are the ones that the other person who's doing them often has no clue that they're doing them. And there are things that maybe had no intention of happening, but they do happen. They hurt. And uh, maybe even simple as this, you're talking to someone who, while you're there for lunch or coffee with them, the whole time they're, they keep looking at their phone. And uh, you, you start to think, man, do they even care that I'm here? Like, what, what, what is the point of this conversation? And you, you, you try to just let it go and little, uh, little things, let them go. And you might not even be aware of them. And you say, oh, this shouldn't bother me. But it does. And... You feel it because later when you see them, you feel a little bit irritated. Or next time you're with them, you're like, ah, I'm a little upset at them. So there's things that are done to us, things not done to us that should have been. But how you handle being wronged will determine whether you grow weaker or you grow stronger. How you handle what, when you are wronged will determine whether you grow stronger or you grow weaker. See, Proverbs 17 and 24 says this, A joyful, cheerful heart brings healing to both body and soul, but the one whose heart is crushed struggles with sickness and depression. A joyful, cheerful heart brings healing or gets stronger in body and soul, but one whose heart is crushed or there's something that's not dealt with or they're discouraged, they're down, they've been hurt, struggles with sickness and depression. That's the Bible. In other words, when you deal with things well, the opportunity... To get stronger is in front of you. When things happen negatively to you, you can still grow stronger. The beautiful thing about this scripture is that it gives you an opportunity to step out from being a victim of your circumstance, a victim of your experience, a victim of your past, and says to you that there is hope for you to step beyond where you are. A joyful, cheerful heart is possible, and your life can get stronger. But sometimes, how, how often do we tell ourselves, ah, 
It's no big deal. But the next time we see somebody, uh, we remember it's a big deal. See, the ideal is to forgive and to move on. But the reality is, for many uh, of us, we, that happens most of the time. But there's often things that we realize we haven't let go. Sometimes our heart is bothered by things and we don't even know why. I'll give you an example here. No, there's a story of a way that they used to train elephants. So they get them when they're small. And they put a big chain around their ankle. Their ankles are a little bigger than mine. And they put that chain on. And they put the chain on them, and they tie them to a tree, something, something that won't move. And that chain, over time, the, the elephant will strain against it and strain against it and strain against it. It cuts into its leg, and it'll often get infected, and it'll get all cut, and it's bleeding and all kinds of stuff, until eventually the elephant just stops trying. And that's... And what happens later is, after all that's going on, the pain that he learned and experienced causes him to believe that that's when somebody puts something around his ankle, that's all that's possible for him. He can't move on. And they don't have to use a chain any longer. They just have to use a small little rope. And that elephant that's massive as an adult could rip that rope and walk away. But he doesn't because of what he experienced prior to that that told him, your life is small. Your life is controlled by, remember, don't. The pain reminds you, don't ever let that happen to you again. You can't have pain, so avoid it. You're never going to be, this is it. This is as good as it gets, and the limitation is always there on him. And so he will obey exactly what the pain taught him to say. Your life is small. Your life is limited. People do all kinds of studies. They even study these uh, Funny things like this, where they put a bunch of fleas in a jar, and they put the lid on there, and fleas jump. Uh, if you have dogs, you know that. But the fleas in this jar will jump while the lid's on, and they keep hitting the lid. And eventually, you can take the lid off, and they will never jump out, because they believe that the lid is there, and they don't want to hit it. They will stop, even though they could step into freedom, they don't, because they believe that the lid is on their life. And that's sometimes, both of these pictures are trying to show you that sometimes things happen in your life that never should have happened. Sometimes things that somebody did to you that they never should have done. Sometimes pain that happened because no one intended to. But we live smaller. We live less. We live at uh, our life at less than what God intended for us. We don't see the staying green. We don't see the never always bearing fruit. We see stunted, less than, smaller. And that's the way we think. But whatever is happening, sometimes we just can't simply move on just because we know we should. Sometimes we just can't move on as though nothing happened. And holding on to hurt, on to anger, on to bitterness, on to, on to feelings of retaliation, 
all those things, and it causes stress inside your body. And medically, what happens is when your body is stressed out, your brain tells your body to go into fight or flight mode. And when that happens, there's a gland, your adrenal gland, that pumps out a, a hormone called cortisol which then the immune system shuts down and all non-essential body functions essentially cease. And that increased level of cortisol, because you're holding things, you're stressing, can contribute to diabetes, to weight gain, to bone loss, to impaired memory and other health problems. And if your immune system is not working properly, there's a short in the wire, so to speak, under the hood of your life, it cannot protect you against disease. The power that you should be able to access, even physically, is affected by things that are going on in your emotions. When you lift up the hood, Stanford University Center for Research and Disease Prevention found when you hold on to the bitterness for years, this is a university, it stops you from living your life fully. As it turns out, it wears out your immune system and hurts your physical heart. The University of Maryland Institute of Human Virology, which studies viruses, found this. They found that forgiveness lowers the stress hormone cortisol and the immune system is boosted. Duke University Medical Study said that those who forgive others experience lower levels of chronic pain, less associated psychological problems like anger and depression than those who have not forgiven. Stronger or weaker? Stronger or weaker? Stunted or growing? No fruit or fruitfulness? A joyful, cheerful heart brings healing to both body and soul. But the one whose heart is crushed struggles with sickness and depression. Now, forgiveness doesn't excuse the actions. It stops their actions from continuing to destroy your heart and your life. But I'm not sure that we fully understand unforgiveness and forgiveness because I continually see people who struggle and struggle with this issue and struggle with the reality of living it out. And if we lift the hood of our heart, there might be something wrong. Perhaps that's why Jesus says that forgiving others is a command that he expects us to obey. obey. We're going to go through Luke 17 right now if you want to go there. Luke 17, 3 to 4 says this. So watch yourselves. If your brother or your sister sins, rebuke them. And if he repents, forgive them. If he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times comes back to you and says, I repent, forgiven. A couple of things before we get into forgiveness. Now, in, this, in our culture today, if you turn on the news, we are... Someone, uh, we have the age of anxiety, and I think it's related to another cultural commentator called the age of rage. We have lost the ability to do what this says. I don't see things the way that you see it, and you've hurt me, and I'm going to talk to you about that. We only know how to do rage. But this, then the other side of that is if you're a good Christian, you know how to do stuff. I'm good. I'm fine. Did that hurt you? It's fine. It's fine. I hate you. It's fine. But, uh, that's good. Stupid. Uh, yeah, fine. It's fine, though. Really, it's fine. As I prayed about it, and I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah, really, I am. So we have one extreme or the other. Now, someone said, though, 
one of the great things before you rebuke is to understand where someone comes from. said, walk a mile in their shoes. Try to understand. Then someone else said, at least walk a mile because at the very least, you'll have their shoes and be a mile away from them. <laughs> Could be good. <laughs> but seriously, though, let's ask, what did, it, what did you mean by that, Jesus? Why, why did this happen? And, and talk and, and help one another and, and connect and confront in a loving way. But Jesus, this phrase, if he repents, forgive them, doesn't mean that your forgiveness is conditional on their repentance. It actually means this. And he's speaking to a culture that was highly legalistic and was always about payback. And he's saying, if they acknowledge their sin, now you're not like, wow, now I'm going to get you back. Here's my, my vengeance is mine. He actually says, when they do that, when they open up and acknowledge, forgive them. So he's trying to, the overarching theme of, the, of Jesus is forgiveness. And forgiveness is not primarily something we do for others. It's so that we can get well and move on with our life. So that we can step out of the lid. So we can step free of the, of the chain that holds us. And, and, but look at the reaction of the disciples. In verse 5 he says this. The, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. There's a word there in the, in the original language that means but or and. So after Jesus said, hey, forgive them, they said these, they're like, ah, but, but Lord, increase our faith. And without that understanding, it appears that the rest of the chapter is just a disconnected bunch of stuff. But it's actually a further explanation of when Jesus says, forgive them, and then he begins to start to deal with the reality. And I think a lot of us are like the disciples privately. But Lord, it's hard. It's hard. You've got to help me. You've got to increase my faith. And they were upset about it. And, and is forgiveness hard? Yes. The disciples were correct in saying that it's difficult. But they were wrong in their response. So Jesus starts to show them what forgiveness really looks like. And, and he says, first of all, this in verse 6, he says, if you have faith as small. Someone say, it's small. Someone else say, it's small. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, which is so, so small, he says, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it will obey you. He's saying that you already have the faith that you need. They're saying, Lord, increase our faith. He's saying, you already have enough faith. Faith comes from Jesus. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, this is going to be super hard. But if you're not a follower of Jesus, you can become one. And he can help you in an incredible way. But he goes on. You can be stronger. You can uproot the thing that's in your life that's bringing bad fruit. You can just see the thing that you see no way past, no way to get free of, can be uprooted out of, the heart of, your, out of your heart and life. And when we don't forgive, we choose to hold on to our pain. And it creates a prison of pain in our life. But like a seed that planted and turns into a large tree, until we choose to deal with the root and forgive, we can't be free. But in the second part, Jesus now shows them what they do need, how they should have responded. Verse 7, he tells them his parable, a story. A parable is just a, simply a story to illustrate a truth. He says, suppose one of you had a servant or, or looking, or was a servant plowing or looking after your sheep. Would he say to the servant when he comes from the field, oh, come along now. This is a king. Come along now, my servant, and sit down to eat. Would he not rather say, get my supper, get yourself ready, wait on me while I eat and I drink. After that, you can eat and drink. Would he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also... 
you, me, when you have done everything you were told to do, say, should say, we have only done our duty. Jesus was saying to them again, the point of this was the servant only did what he was told to do. And Jesus was saying, hey, you don't need more faith. You need to do and obey. Obey what I've already shown you. He was saying, hey, when I ask you to do something, do it, and it's going to help you. And then he moves on to another part of the story where he really helps them to see what was going on. And there's a he uses a real-life object lesson, went from a parable to now a real-life ob- object lesson. And they were on their way to Jerusalem, and, and it says that in verse 11 to 14, some, they were traveling along, and ten lepers, that's a skin disease that would cause all kinds of things. It's mostly eradicated in the world a few places where uh, all kinds of things, nose falls off, and you lose feeling and sensory, uh, fingers, all burns and that don't heal and it's just a terrible terrible disease and so these 10 men had leprosy stood at a distance because they weren't allowed to be around people who didn't have leprosy and they said Jesus master have pity on this when he saw them far away he said to them go show yourself to the priest and as they went they were cleansed so these 10 lepers are there they're saying Jesus can you heal us Jesus just says go and you'll be made well Before you're healed, go. Before you see how it's all going to turn out, go. Seems kind of backwards. Jesus had said that many times, uh, sent a word and, and do it. But usually as soon as he did it, the healing happened. But this seems to make no sense. Why go to the priest? Why are you telling me to go to the priest if I'm not well yet? Why are you telling me to do this? Because he's wanting to say to them something. See, they expected first heal the lepers and then send them. But Jesus is trying to say say to them, just go. The lepers, unlike the disciples, guys, see those guys? They just went. You guys want to obey after. Just obey. Obey the Lord when confronted with a command that didn't make sense, and obey. So he's trying to get them to understand. So he's told them a parable, just do your duty. Then he says, they go, and then you'll be healed. Obey first, healing flows next. Because forgiveness then uh, is a process, not an event. He starts to show them something. The lepers cried out, Master, have pity on us. And then when Jesus saw them, he said to them, Go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, as they went, they were cleansed. They were healed. Because forgiveness doesn't change your past, but it can change your future. Many believers think that forgiveness is just simply saying, I forgive so-and-so. And when you think or say, I forgive them, you simply have just made a choice to forgive someone. And that's a good start. It's a mental ascent. But it's not doesn't get beneath the hood of your life and actually begin to fix where the problem is. Because the problem isn't just in your mind. It's in your emotions where you're damaged by hurt, where you're damaged by betrayal, where you're damaged by people who have committed adultery on you, where you're damaged by people who have betrayed you, where you're damaged by people who have lied about you, where you're damaged by people who have abused you, where you're damaged in all kinds of ways. And a simple word does not always do it. It's a process. And he says, as they go, what's going to happen? And any, many well-meaning believers have done just a word. I forgive. And they still go around with this thing. They're still operating in an environment that looks the same as before they said the words. Because change has not happened at the heart level. Because the heart is where you live out of. Out of your overflow of your heart, your life 
flow the issues of life. Everything flows out of what you believe deep inside of you. And if you believe like that elephant that you can't go anywhere because of what's happened to you, if you believe in your heart that there is no future for you because of what if someone else betrayed you, if you believe that you will never be, that's what you will live at. But Jesus wants you to lift up the hood this morning. He wants you to check, do a diagnostic, and find out what's really going on. Because you can grow stronger. But so many have experienced no real relief from the pain. They still wander around stuck where they were. And the wire keeps draining the strength. The chain keeps holding them back. But the real reason lies that we don't fully understand what forgiveness is. I believe. Forgiveness is more than a word. John 3.16, I'll show you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus. For God didn't send, the world to con- didn't send his son to condemn the world, but to save the world. God loved, so God sent. God gave, so God's love motivated him to action. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you're not right with God today, you can easily, because of what Jesus has already provided, you simply can say, God, forgive me, be merciful to me, I need you, I need to be changed on the inside, but you gave, you love because you gave. When I didn't love you, you loved me. When I was far from you, you were close to me. When, you, when I wanted nothing to do with you, you were pursuing me. That's the God of the Bible. That's Jesus. And that's what forgiveness looks like. It, it is a decision that moves to action. Let me tell you this. There was a number of years ago where someone deeply, deeply hurt me. Betrayed me in every sense of the word. I was absolutely, I likened it after it happened to like getting hit in the side of the head with a two by four. Everything in my life changed. It affected my family. It affected everything in my life. And I was like, oh, I was so hurt and on deep. But I made a decision early on to say, I forgive. But the healing hadn't fully released. Because the pain didn't occupy my mind all the time, but I knew I wasn't. Well, because when I thought of the person, I didn't think kind thoughts. No, none of you, but for me. I feel some anger rising in my heart sometimes. Other times I was just absolutely broken and sad and sorrowful. And I knew I'd said the words of forgiveness and I still had spaces and places that were out of order inside of me. But forgiveness doesn't just change your past. It can change your future. And I read this scripture, Luke chapter 6, 27 to 28. Jesus again, he says, But I tell you who hear me, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. And when I read that scripture one day, it was like the Holy Spirit grabbed my heart and said, Greg, this is what I want you to do. I need you to activate what your words have said. I need to, what you have said to drop into your heart. And it won't drop into your heart until you do with what I've just asked you to do in the scripture. Here's the point. How was I able to forgive? As I went. In other words, I didn't just think in my head, I forgive them. No. I didn't just say to myself out loud, I forgive them. I did both of those. But. In order to forgive at a heart level, I had to do something. Because time does not heal all wounds. Time does not heal all wounds. Makes them bearable sometimes, but it does not heal all wounds. 
number when I was small, we, I grew up in, a, in the country and used to watch, we'd get the wood and cut wood and burn wood and everything like that. And one time I was cutting wood and I was like four years old. I shouldn't have had the hatchet, but I was by myself in the woodshed and I was cutting along and suddenly I cut right here. There's a scar on my hand about an inch and a half long. Came within a hair's breadth of just cutting the tendon and everything. And I went and got kind of, kind of got it cleaned up by... I lived in such a small town, there was a neighborhood first aid guy. And he kind of cleaned it up a bit and taped it up. And after a couple of days, it was red and swollen. And I, so I went to the doctor. And uh, even though time had passed, it had not gotten well. Went to the doctor and he looks at it and he just freezes it. And then he opens it up a little bit and he got a brush. And I was like, what are you doing? I think I was four or five, and I can still remember him taking this brush, and he sprayed some foam in it, and he went, <laughs> it was frozen, thank God. But he said, I have to get the dirt out of there, because it'll never get well, and the pain won't go away, and it won't be healed until I clean it out, and then he stitched it up. And then just in a couple of weeks, 10 days, my, was totally gone. I, now, the pain associated with that is totally gone. If, it, if, you had, if I had touched it when it was red and swollen, <laughs> and some of us have areas when people touch our heart or touch our life, we, we say the right thing or say the wrong thing, <laughs> we react. It's an indication that something's not well. And this, what true forgiveness is, is begin to activate. Time doesn't heal all wounds. Forgiveness does. You choose to forgive to set yourself free from what is robbing you of your strength and stealing your joy. You can be stronger. So first, for me, I began to pray regularly for this person. Pray for what? Exactly what I wanted for my life. You know how hard it was for me at first? I began to pray for them, that God, that you would bless their life. You would expand them. Lord, that you would keep them well. Bless their family in every way. I just began to pray. And pray for them daily until the Lord released me from praying for them. But I didn't stay there. I knew I had to do more. I made the choice that I was no longer going to speak negatively or allow negative thoughts about a situation that was incredibly painful for my life. I would only speak words of blessing. I will speak blessing. And that one was harder. But I knew I had to do it. I began to just, that's how I'm going to speak about the situation. God's done something great, and he's moving in my life, and God is for me, not against me. And then finally, I knew I had it to do good. I knew when their birthday was. I wanted to send them a letter bomb, I think. But after praying, after speaking words of blessing, it wasn't that hard to order a book that I knew that they would love put it in the mail, say happy birthday, then I sent it. Not because I felt like it in the moment. I just knew I needed to obey. I needed to activate the blessing of forgiveness. And I, The next year, I didn't send them a book. I just sent them a card. Now I don't send them anything, not because anything's wrong, but I feel like God's done a deep healing in my heart under the hood has fixed it instead of me bypassing the wires, instead of me trying to get around it and not have to deal with the real issue, God's dealt with the issue in my heart. And then when I see that person today, and I still do, it's none of you, just relax. None of that. When I think of the memory, I don't have any pain associated with it. The scar is still there. I can't stop what happened. 
can't change yesterday. But you can, through Jesus, change your tomorrow. And when I see that person, I have experienced that forgiveness doesn't change my past. But it can change my future. And forgiveness is a key that can set you free. But more than a word, it's a process. See, the disciples' question about forgiveness was legitimate. Forgiveness is indeed difficult at times. But like the lepers, forgiveness happens as we go. Doing something good to the person, blessing them, praying for them. It's a process that begins with a decision. And suddenly... My life can be enlarged. Suddenly, what I thought would never be possible for me can be possible. Suddenly, the plans that God has for, had for me, I can begin to step into. I don't have to be held back any longer because of something that happened back in 19-whatever. Or something that happened last week. Or something that happened when you were a child. It begins with a decision, I will forgive. But God wants you to know that the lid over your life can be broken. It is broken. It's available to you. You don't have to stay in the jar. I want you to know that what's held you back doesn't have to hold you back. It's only a little rope that you just need to pull on. Activate forgiveness. Because forgiveness doesn't change your past, but it can change your future. Real forgiveness. I want us to give us opportunity to apply this right now. Just believe that Holy Spirit knows you better than you know yourself. I think many times that we have issues that we wish or we think we've dealt with because we've stuffed them so far down that, well, I'm fine. I'm just going to ask you to take a moment. Actually, before we do that, if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, I said it earlier. It's just simple as ABC. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner, that I need Jesus. I believe that Jesus is the one who paid the price for my sin and makes a way to reconcile me to God and I can have access to all that God is. And I confess that he's the forgiver and leader of my life. Just pray from your heart, the essence of that. It's available to you. It's all you have to do to be in a journey with Jesus. For all of us, I just want to invite you to bow your head and just... I just believe that the Holy Spirit is here right now. He is. Some of you, He wants to set you free from a chain. Some of you, He wants you to realize that the lid is over. There's no ceiling. Not even a glass ceiling. Just ask Holy Spirit, is there anyone you want me to forgive right now? Is there anyone you want me to forgive? Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you got somebody, if somebody came to mind, a face, a picture, a name, just throw your hand up real quick. Just privacy to the people around you. Is there anyone you want me to forgive, God? Yeah, all over the room. 
start with a word. Simple as this. God, forgive me for holding unforgiveness. And Father, I release whoever it is, that name, that person, to you. And I turn them over to you. I want you to take a moment and just ask Holy Spirit again, Lord, which of these three things to pray for them, to be a blessing to them, to do good to them, which of them do I need to do? Now, in some cases, it's not appropriate if someone's abused you or is violent or any of those kind of things that you shouldn't be anything more than praying for them. Don't get alone with them, not saying that. Need wisdom of people around you for sure. But ask Holy Spirit, which of these things do you want me to do? I invite you to stand to your feet. Jesus, we welcome you. We welcome you, Lord Jesus. Welcome your healing. Welcome you into, just keep your head bowed for a moment. I'm just going to pray over you. So we got time. It's all right. Your roast won't burn. Just welcome you, Jesus, into every room of our heart. Welcome, Jesus. He's good. He's good. He's good. He's good. Just welcome you to every place, Lord Jesus. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. If you're like, oh, I got nothing, I would just challenge you to invite Holy Spirit to lead you into all truth. To all truth. Father, we welcome you. We thank you, Lord, that you are good, Lord. Thank you that we can be who you say we are, Lord Jesus. That we can step into the fullness of what you've called us to be, Lord. That we can stay green that we can always be producing fruit, Lord. No matter what has come against us, no matter what has been done to us, no matter what has been betrayed, Lord, that you can make all things new. Lord Jesus, thank you for Romans 8 and 28 that says that you cause all things to work together for our good. Father, thank you for Genesis chapter 50 where, where Lord, that you take the, everything that the, the enemy intended for evil and you turn it around for our good. Lord, thank you that forgiveness opens us a new and living way, Lord Jesus that opens us to the power of God that's always been resident within us as followers of Jesus. Lord, every place where there's been a, a, a blockage, every place where there's been a shorting, so to speak, Lord Jesus, of your power, Lord, we thank you that forgiveness breaks it right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for freedom right now. Thank you, Lord, for freedom right now in Jesus' name. Lord, thank you for kept where people have been kept in bondage are being free right now all over the room. Lord, we welcome you, Holy Spirit. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. I am who you say I am. Just we're going to sing, close out and sing this song. I am who you say I am.